Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. I am Gemma Serenity, your host. And today we are welcoming breakup coach Dawn Span. Dawn Span is currently a breakup coach and founder of IVG Coaching based in Westchester, New York. Dawn helps women move on and get over their ex with dignity and grace. Dawn is also a licensed social worker. She earned a master's degree in social work from NYU in 2004. Dawn launched her coaching business in 2019 after completing life coach training at Journey, co-founded by relationship coach John Kim. Prior to coaching, Dawn worked as a family therapist, a sex educator, and manager in the healthcare system. Dawn began coaching women after breakup several years after struggling with her own breakup. Her goal is to help women navigate life after loss, rediscover their authentic self with a focus on building and maintaining healthy relationships. Dawn can be found on Instagram at coaching and can be reached at i.b.g.coaching at gmail.com. And just to clarify, IBG stands for I Believe God. And today's topic is breaking the shameful law of silence. I too didn't tell anyone. Welcome, Don. Thank you very Thank much for being you. here. Thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for providing the platform. Absolutely. It's essential. You know, it's this time of this time we are living, we need to be cognizant of others to give an inspirational hand to others. Sometimes we can give a helping hand, but the hardest is to help someone who does not break her law of silence. Yes. Yes. So this is why we have this conversation on this podcast to invite to not keep secrets, especially the heavy, dark, dirty Mm. secrets yes and will it change something probably definitely in your life probably very very likely yes but the freedom you get from breaking the law of silence Mm -hmm. that's priceless price exactly so don my first question for you can you give us an, a five-minute overview of the few life events that you experienced that shaped who you are today? So I feel like one of the biggest things um, was being in a, an abusive relationship that no one knew about. And so I was 18 years old. I was on my way home from school. I met someone. He was seven years older than me. And we dated, and of course, everything was beautiful in the beginning. And one night, this other side came out, and it was this nasty, mean, violent side. And um, one thing I'll never forget was he grabbed me and he hit me. And at that time, he gave me an opportunity to walk away. And he said... I know that you didn't know that this is what this would be like. 
So because you didn't know that, I'm going to give you the opportunity to walk away. And immediately I said, okay, I'm walking away. I, I had never been in a real relationship. I was only 18. Um, in my eyes, he was a grown man. And um, I went to walk away and he grabbed me and he said, you're always going to be mine. You can't walk away. And that was the first of many uh, violent incidences. That was the first of many times where there were mind games being played. So that, that was my life for the next seven years. Um, I'm sorry about that because it has been, you, you felt alone. You felt that you were the only one experiencing that. I did, I did. Um, I did have a friend in college that I spoke to about this um, very briefly. And for her, she said, this is, this is too much, like this is too heavy. And she actually stopped speaking to me. And um, that was the last time I told anyone. I never told anyone anything after that. Oh. Yeah. And I don't blame her because it was a lot to deal with. We were both young. We were probably both 18, 19 or so. Um, but that, that was who I relied on. That was my friend. And she said, this is just too much. This is too heavy. Um, and I know this can be heavy to someone that's not experiencing these things. Um, so definitely there was, there was no blame, but I definitely felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have anyone to run to. Um, he made threats against my family. Um, if I left or told anyone, he made sure to abuse me in a way that could not show up physically, or he made sure he avoided my face. So people wouldn't ask, Hey, why do you have a black eye? Um, he helped me create stories in case someone noticed bruises on my body. So it was just like, it was a big secret. I do understand that, sadly so. Yes. Yes. <sighs> there was a time during this period of time when you fall victim and you do not see a way out. When enough is enough and the pain of living, I mean, leaving, like going away, breaking up, mm -hmm. is, is, seems less than the pain of staying. What has been this shift in your consciousness? What has happened at that moment in time or maybe what thought changed, I don't know. I think sometimes you get tired of people playing with your mind because at one point in the relationship, we had a conversation and he said he was tired of behaving like this. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to get help. And that was, that was just like a shift in our relationship. And so we went to therapy and then for a long time, there was no abuse. And so finally I'm thinking that we got past this, we're starting to build a healthy relationship. Um, and one point we got married, we were happy, we were together. Oh my God. And one day he lost it. He lost it and he became violent again. And I think that just that false sense of security and just feeling like being, I was being jerked around. Like here it is, I, committed to this man for the rest of my life under the impression that this relationship was done with violence. And then here we go again. 
And I think at some point I just said enough is enough. I'm tired of being abused. I'm tired of being like having my emotions played with, having my mind played with. I'm, I'm just tired. And I was just so tired of being tired. And so from, from the outside looking in, we were this wonderful couple. Right. So we were, we were this amazing power couple. Um, I was in school getting my master's. Um, I was a, um, a mentor for a forced care agency. And his goal was to also start a program to help youth. And he would volunteer at the forced care agency. He also worked with children. And so we were just this power couple on the outside and I just wanted to scream because I, I wanted to let people know it's not what it looks like. Yes. Like we have these major issues where abuse is, is like the head of our lives. And so I was just tired, tired of being tired. So there is a moment in time when enough is enough Definitely. or tired of being tired, but tiredness, you can you can go tired for so long <laughs> but when when you really reach the no return point the too much the breakup point yes. technically it is a breakup point yes how how did you leave him or how did he leave home or how did he disappear from your life so i'll tell you the The breaking point was probably the last time he hit me. Um, he came home, I said something about the laundry and he just, he just attacked me, he just hit me. And something clicked. I don't know what happened in my mind, but I just clicked and I said, I started screaming, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be putting your hands on me, you're not gonna be beating me anymore. And we started to fight. And so I started swinging at him and he's trying to grab me and he's swinging at me. And the look of embarrassment in his eyes and shame was crazy because I had never seen him look like that before. And he was trying to grab me to cover my mouth because he didn't want the neighbors to hear. And so he couldn't really get a hold of me because I'm screaming and yelling. And then he swung and he hit me and the hit landed in my ear and I started hearing ringing. I lost uh, my balance and then he covered my mouth so I could stop screaming. And that was the first time in my life that I said, I'm okay with dying because this is the last time that he's going to put his hands on me. And um, that, that was the day that I decided that I was never going to be in something so disgustingly abusive again, because I, I said, I, I refuse to go through this again. Um, and then shortly after that, we were like two ships passing in the night. We weren't speaking. We were still living in the same house. Um, we eventually started speaking again. Um, one day he went to work and there was a stack of papers on the table and something told me to look through these papers. And a lot of times I try to think back to what was it that told me? And I don't know what it was. Intuition. So I started, <laughs> yes, basically, yes. 
And um, I, I looked through the stack of papers and I saw a police report. Oh. And the police report was of him getting arrested um, probably a few days prior. And the police report said that he was charged with rape, sodomy, and assault. So according to the police report, he was with a young lady and she was also younger. She was younger than I was at the time. So she was in her early twenties and he raped her in her home and sodomized her and um, abused her in her home while her family was downstairs. Um, so the shock reading that, I felt like my heart just sank and I felt, I felt horrible. And that at that point I was like, I truly am with this monster. Um, and I felt horrible for this young woman. I didn't know who she was, but I know that she didn't deserve this. And at that point, I started to think, well, why is her, why is her self-worth, why is her worth more than yours? Like you guys are, you're, you guys are in the same situation. I mean, she may have dealt with it for a short amount, a shorter amount of time, but you've dealt with this for the last six, seven years. And so from that point on, I was just like, I have to get out of this. I have mm -hmm. to get out of this immediately. And um, like I said, I was going to school for my master's. So I was working at a, um, I was working at Safe Horizon. Safe Horizon is um, an agency for women that experience domestic violence. And so I went to work the next day and I told some of the case managers and I said, hey, look, this is my situation. I'm leaving him. I don't know how it's gonna turn out, but if something happens to me, just know that, you know, this, this was him. And they, they were very helpful. And what they said was, let's come up with a plan. So start moving your important documents and important items out of the house without him noticing. Um, have this sort of breakup conversation in public if you can, in a, in a park where other people are around just in case he lashes out or tries to attack you. And so we had that conversation and surprisingly, he was okay with the relationship being over. And so we ended the relationship and we agreed that he would stay in the home for the next 90 days, just until he could find some place to live. Even so we're together. Not 90 days after 90 that. Days. Yes. yes. So we came to that agreement and um, within those 90 days, He's, he's free, so he's seeing other women, he's going out on dates, and this was a relief to me because his focus was no longer on me. So I was okay with that. And um, at one point, two detectives came to my home and they said, we're looking for him. And I said, well, he's not here. Um, I think he's at a friend's house. I think he was with a woman at the time. And they let me know that he was being charged or sought for a rape. And this was, this was a different woman. And at this time they told me, well, we, um, the woman says it happened in your house. And that was another shock to me. That was a shock. And I was just, I'm so surprised that a person that has two rape charges, a sodomy charge, 
two assault charges, was arrested and then home for dinner. I didn't even understand how that happened. It makes honestly no sense to me either. It's, it's right. dangerous, it shall never happen. Right. And so the detectives, they looked around, they left, um, and then they came back one day when he was there and they took him off and he was arrested. Um, he ended up going to jail for the assault charges. I'm not sure what happened with the other charges. Um, and he had the nerve to call me from jail and talk to me like nothing. Um, he didn't know at the time that I was aware of the charges, um, but he knew that I knew about the detectives and everything. And he called me from jail and I was like, this is, this is the last time we'll speak. Like, I know what you did. And that was, and that was how he was removed from my life. And so while he was in jail, I graduated from school. I moved to a different apartment. Um, on the other side of my town. And, and that's how I basically got away from him. Kudos to you. Thank Kudos you. to you. Thank you. It is so, I mean, you have been breaking the law of silence, though at your first attempt, you lost a friend you thought you could rely right. on. Yeah. So what advice could you think about giving to women and men and everything in between, LGBTQ welcome, as we know. Right. So any gender, actually, someone going through something so horrific that the law of silence is, in, is imposed on them. Mm -hmm. I know I have been there, too. Right. It's, it's, it's terrible. And what advice would you give that person? I would say find someone to speak to and it doesn't, and I know you feel, you may feel comfortable with a friend, but your friend may not be equipped to handle your story. There are people like me, there are people like Gemma who have been through this, who we are now equipped to handle your story. So I would say find someone, you know, when this happened 20 years ago, there really wasn't there really wasn't social media. There really wasn't a way to find people in different parts of the world to talk to. But now we have that. So I'm in New York and you can find me on Instagram. You can email me. Just find someone that is equipped to handle you know, your story. Um, and like I said, I'm also a social worker. So I'd be able to find resources or help you in your town. Just a lot of women, a lot of men, LGBTQ, a lot, just a lot of people that go through this feel a sense of shame. And I know I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment because I heard things like, oh, she's stupid. She's in this abusive relationship. Or if that were me, that couldn't be me. I wouldn't tolerate that. But the truth is you never know when you're in a situation what you would actually do. And so hearing those things, um, it, helped, it, it helped me hide it because it just, it just reinforced the fact that I was alone and people would think I was stupid because I was in a, re a relationship where there was violence or I was stupid for sticking around. But those people have never experienced what we've experienced, so they have no idea what it's like. And so I would hate for someone to feel ashamed or embarrassed. There's nothing to feel embarrassed about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. 
Um, so I would say just reach out to someone who can definitely feel, feel your plight. There are people out there that will help you. Yes, this is essential. When you dare to break the law of silence that has been has been imposed on you because as you were explaining in your story, this man suddenly looked like so ashamed and so fearful that, that the yeah. neighbor may hear you scream. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you have a weapon of choice when he wants to impose the silence on you. You have right. a weapon of choice. You know something that is so horrible that mm-hmm. actually you are the powerful one in that story, though you may feel as a weak one. Mm-hmm. But you are the powerful one because you are the one able to go to the police and report and say what happened. Right. By the way, yes, the police is equipped to deal with that kind of awful thing. Sorry, mm-hmm. awful thing. But still, I mean, it is just horrible. Yes. Yes. I mean, it is criminal, it is against the law, it is against your integrity, it is against every, every, everything. You have the right to say no and to be loved and respected while saying no to someone who asks or who asks or who wants to force himself on you or exactly. herself. Exactly. Yeah. So breaking the law of silence, the shameful law of silence. Yes. People are, the people who may call you stupid are indeed, as you said, Don, are indeed those who do not grasp half of the quarter of what you are going through. Exactly. And just see one little element and, and they tell to themselves, huh, how stupid, I would not tolerate that. Yes, you do not have the entire other backstory that led exactly. to that point. So they are just projecting themselves on you. It is saying mm-hmm. nothing about you. Exactly. And when you dare to break free, to speak up, to the right people that at first to the right people those who are equipped like right. the, i am in los angeles so we are we are on both sides of the united states which is mm-hmm. good uh yeah. we have plenty of other people to have someone close to you or you just like jump on an audio call without even revealing your identity but just like speaking what's going on and yes. and try to process what happened yeah it's hard and exactly. you know how many times are you just like thinking with yourself and you cannot wrap your mind around what happened. Mm-hmm. I have been raped too. I know. I know yeah. how weird you feel and exactly. how inadequate and how shameful and how mm-hmm. disrespected, but you realize quickly that you did not respect yourself either. So it becomes like a self-blame. I mean, there is a ton of heavy emotions that run through this is why i suggest talk to someone who is equipped and uh, one of the solutions is to give an audio call without without even revealing your identity mm-hmm. and speak to someone who can definitely. handle that to a professional definitely and then just to speak to what you were talking about just feeling powerless all the time yes. in itself 
just it does it does something to your self-worth your self-esteem and those are things that aren't talked about either and that's part of the reason why I do what I do because you're not taught self-love in school like the most important thing you could ever learn learn about yourself is self-love and no one teaches you that no one teaches you self-worth no one teaches you value and it's obvious in your your actions in life because these things were never talked about. And if you had a, a parent or a family that was unavailable, who, who was left to teach you about that self-worth? This is why we are here. Yeah. This is why we do what we do. This is why we start a coaching business to, to exactly do that, to complete all that your parents call and other adult figure did not teach you right but you still need these skills mm-hmm. yes don it was an absolute honor to have you, thank you during this episode you have been absolutely wonderful thank you for sharing your story you. um i think you are amazing not stupid like really amazing and 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 thank you for speaking up for breaking this law shameful law of silence mm-hmm. we don't need silence we need right. freedom to speak. You know, we are in the United States. Hey, we are so we have the right to speak. Yes. <laughs> and like I said, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this platform because now, you know, getting this out is not impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have internet, we have social media. And the thing that I always want to let people know is you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There are other people going through this. There are other people that overcame this. So you are definitely not alone and you can get out of it and get into something better. And I fully wholeheartedly agree. Yes, a wonderful life is awaiting you on the other side of speaking definitely up. It is. And probably breaking up too, but that is totally up to everyone. Yes. All right. I'm going to make sure in the description there is all the information to connect with you. So let's let's continue to shine in the world. Yes, thank you, Gemma. Thank you very much. Have an amazing day. You too.